No team goes into the season without a game plan. And Buffalo Wild Wings knows that football fans need a game plan that's built for game day glory. A game plan that should include 21 signature sauces and seasonings, a great lineup of beer taps, and an arsenal of wall-to-wall TVs. All those details make for a game day plan that can't be beat. So, win or lose, if you're a football fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere around. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Robert Mays. I'm a writer at The Ringer. Joining me in the other line, it's Kevin Clark. Kevin, how are you? I'm better than Brock Osweiler. Yeah, man. I mean, it was about time, but it happened at the right time. If Bill Bryant doesn't make that decision and the Titans end up winning that game, the Texans are a game black. Now they're in the driver's seat. They're still right there. And I think that you just have to ride with Savage now from now on. Yeah, we'll get into that as part of just a larger AFC playoff conversation, but I tend to agree. I wrote that this morning. I'm just not sure how you can go back to Brock. And Bill O'Brien said the right thing yesterday. He said, we're not going to make decisions based on how much money somebody makes. And when Savage played the way he did after Osweiler threw another terrible two interceptions, it's an easy decision in my mind. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right, buddy, what was your biggest takeaway of the day yesterday? Well, the biggest surprise for me was the New York Giants because I saw them losing yesterday. And they'd be 9-5. and five. We'd start talking about whether or not they're actually for real after that Cowboys win last week. Instead, we got confirmation of what we maybe already thought about their defense. But, I mean, I did not know they were that good. So, obviously, they shut down the Cowboys last week. They win 10-7. to seven. I didn't know that was a repeatable performance. And they go against Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. They hold them to six points, 300 total yards of offense, 186 yards passing, crucially against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Stafford is not, um, and the last two weeks has sort of struggled, but you know he's still Stafford. The idea that they could be an elite defense is not something I was, was considering even five or six weeks ago. All of a sudden, they're third in points against. They have not allowed 30 points all season. Yeah, they haven't allowed more than 24 once. They've only allowed more than 24 once. To the Redskins. To the Redskins in week three. To the Redskins. Outside of that, they've allowed 24 two other times, and that's it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yep. And and uh, four of their six best defensive performances have come in the last five weeks. They're getting, you know, everyone says, hey, who's getting hot? Who's getting hot at the right time? We see with the Seahawks every year. They start to warm up after Thanksgiving, and they win four in a row, and, and then they get hot, and they, they win a playoff game, and then they get to the, the champ, conference championship game, and then anything can happen, right? The Giants are that team this year, and I just did not see that coming because I didn't think that Eli Manning was capable of doing this again, but here we are. I totally agree. I wrote about it this morning and got my 11 kind of items I do in my wrap-up, and I said that, their free agent class that they signed this season reminds me of what the Broncos did two years ago. Yes. So you have this group with that Denver had of DeMarcus Ware, Akib Tlaib, and TJ Ward. And, and we just think of Denver as this defensive monolith. But in 2013, they were pretty middle of the road. Yep. I think they finished 15th in defensive DVOA. I, I know some people around that team, and they just said that when they, all those guys got signed, they just sensed Jack Del Rio's mood perk up. Like yeah. He just became a different person. And they went from a middle-of-the-road defense to a top-five defense. And what the Giants have done is even more impressive. They were a punchline last year. They were 30th in defensive DVOA, 30th in points allowed. Now they're third in points allowed and fourth in DVOA coming into yesterday. So when Denver went from a middle-of-the-road group to a top-five defense, the Giants went from a joke to terrifying, which is 
I, I, I don't even know how you describe that. It's one of the best free agent halls in recent memory. Yep. No, I mean, there are so few teams. We joke about it. There are so few teams who win free agency. Yep. And then actually win in the NFL. Okay, you win in March, you win in April, and then you don't win in September, October, November. This is the rare case of that. And I think that, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people sense desperation. You know, Jerry Reese was on a second coach. Totally. Co- you know, it w- was on a second coach. And you know what happens on a second coach is you, you normally don't get to hire. Um, obviously, he didn't hire Coughlin. But, you know, you, you wouldn't maybe get to hire another guy if McAdoo doesn't work out. So they're throwing money at guys like Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins. People are wondering, well, why didn't the Rams choose Janoris Jenkins? Why did they, they cho- uh, choose Tremaine Johnson? And so I, 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 there was a lot of skepticism around the NFL about this. A lot of people around the NFL said they're just throwing money at their problems. It's not going to work. Landon Collins makes the leap. Um, JPP is this season has been really good. Uh, seven sacks, three forced fumbles. Romeo Aquara has been a revelation when, when, when JPP can't play. Jonathan Hankins has been good. Dan, you know, Snacks Harrison has been good against the run. I mean, th- these pieces I did not expect to be so good this year. Well, look at the guys that they signed. It was the type of players that occasionally are dangerous in free agency. Yeah. You know, Snacks Harrison is a big run stuffer who was probably the third best player on his defensive line. Yep. Olivier Vernon was a half-season wonder. And then you have Janoris Jenkins, who may have been the second best corner on his own team last season after Tremaine Johnson. So you have these three archetypes that normally burn teams when they pay big for them, and every single one of them has come up huge. There's been no fall off whatsoever. And I just never thought they could hit the trifecta like that and get some other breaks. Real you know, qu- Rogers Camardi playing well, Landon yeah. Collins taking a leap, as you said. Go ahead. Uh, real quick on Janoris Jenkins. I just want to walk us through the most NFL injury update of all time last night. I love Mike Florio, but he said uh, he was on, on Football Night in America and he said, uh, Janoris Jenkins, the back is fine. There was concern over the back. The back is fine. The issue is uh, potential damage to his internal organs. He'll be fine to play on Thursday. Did you see Janoris Jenkins on the bench after that happened? He was just like leaning back in a very prone position. I was like, is he okay? No. And the answer is, I, I don't think so, but still he's, may play. He's so NFL your point okay, stands. which means he'll yeah, be able exactly. to play in the weird Thursday game they're going to play. And so, you know, he, his oh, internal God. organs only get four days of rest. Uh, Snacks Harrison, I was going to write about him for today. And then as I thought more about it, I, I made that connection with the Detroit team. He made a couple awesome run stuffs yesterday. He had a very pivotal sack in the red zone. Probably could have gotten called for hitting Stafford in the head, but he got there. So, you know, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Uh, he, I've been so impressed with all those guys. There's really nothing more to say about them. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think they are as dangerous as any team in the NFL right now. I, I totally agree. I, I can't even figure out what's going on with the Cowboys right now. You know, Tony Dungy said after the game, I, I'm just going to quote everyone from NBC, by the way, in, in this podcast. Um, Works to- for me. Tony, this, welcome back to the uh, Ringer NFL NBC podcast. Um, <laughs> Tony Dungy basically said, and I agree with him, that after the last two weeks, and now the Bucks playing the, the Cowboys close in Dallas, no one's going to be scared of going into Dallas. Um, after seeing last night and seeing eh, I don't I'd know. still be scared. I don't know. I, I watched what Zeke did again yesterday. I'd still be scared. I, I, mean, I, I think it's... Dungy's point, and my my, and I agree with this, is that they played as well as they could play, and Tampa Bay had the ball with the chance to win the game. 
And, and right. they could have, you know, even uh, earlier. They missed a couple field e- goals. Yeah, I mean, even earlier, you had the Mike Evans sort of, um, you know, beat the double coverage, and, and and Jameis just overthrew him about three yards. If 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 they connect on that, it's a totally different game late. Uh, the Bucks could have easily won that game. They could have, but the Cowboys had a couple dumb penalties in the red zone that pushed them back and, you know, out to the outskirts of field goal range. They come up empty from a couple of those drives. I think that that game was easier. It was easier for Dallas to move the ball than it probably looks in the final stat. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I mean, it's just, for me, we're nitpicking here. The, the Cowboys are really, really good. But, you know, the last four games they've played have been within one possession. And that wasn't the case prior to that, you know. No, um, you're right. You're right. I think three of the four before that were were double-digit uh, wins. And so I, I, I just think I'm just talking about peaking at the right time. And right now it looks like the Giants are getting hotter than the Cowboys. But it's all relative because the Cowboys are, are in some a better team. So, I mean, so, what, you, you, it gets into momentum and weird and, – and, and who the hell knows about momentum in sports in general. Well, let's get into just the playoff scenarios in general. Who's hot? Who's not? Yeah. What's happening? Uh, my takeaway from yesterday is that that was a beautiful fucking mess, and I loved it. Yeah. I think Brian Burke tweeted the win probability charts for all the early games, and it looked like an EKG of somebody just having a minor episode. Yeah. Uh, it, they were incredible, just how up and down everything was. If you look at the last few minutes of those games, Bears-Packers, what happened in Kansas City, Go everything going on with Houston and the Texas or Houston and Jacksonville. Which, by the way, I made a joke yesterday that if a Jaguars Titans game falls in a forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? Yeah. But the Jaguars and Texans or Titans weren't playing yesterday, which I feel like is all the only point needed about the joke it's I was trying to make. The peak Jaguars joke is yep. to just oh yeah yeah that that no one's really paying attention to that game and the game doesn't exist and no one really calls you on it. Yeah, but ex- well, somebody did, but I think uh. people understood that was my point. You know, that, that you only further solidified my point. But anyway, every single one of those games is not only entertaining, but massive playoff implications. I mean, I wrote about this today, just kind of every single beautiful mind weirdness thing that could go on right now. But Tennessee winning and uh, Houston winning, I feel like is a good place to start because that allows both of them to keep pace in the AFC South. And right now, it seems like we are cruising for those teams to play each other in week 17 for the division. Yeah. I mean, I don't if, – if you were to look at all of these mediocre teams, and would you call them mediocre at this point? Yeah, I'd still call them mediocre, although I feel like Tennessee has really impressed me lately. Yeah. You know, I know it was negative one in Kansas City yesterday, and there aren't going to be a ton of points in some of those games. But we're still talking about a KC offense that's been able to put up some points as of late. They found some playmakers. Tyreek Hill made another huge play yesterday. And Tennessee really limited them. Did you I mean, enjoy the Ryan suck-up revenge game? I loved it. I, how much? How long do we want to spend on Andy icing a kicker when it was negative one degrees outside? <laughs> Literal ice. Um, but it's he, not even that. I know that's the joke. But if it's negative nine with the wind chill, do you really want to give the guy two shots? Yeah. No, I, I don't get understand it. that. I get it. So uh, here's what I think. I think the Tennessee defense. You know, they had five straight weeks where they um, decreased the points they allowed. It went up a little bit, but they still obviously uh, played an amazing game on Sunday. Marcus Mariota, no touchdowns, one interception, at what he had 280 yards, something like that. I mean, this team has a lot of roster talent. I mean, and this, t- this team is deep. John Robinson has done a great job. Uh, Mike Malarkey has done a great job. I mean, at this point, 
knowing that the Colts are so inconsistent and knowing that the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans, I would have to assume that the Tennessee Titans are going to win this division. I would put my money on the Titans as well. And if that does happen, you know what's kind of fun? Is that Kansas City or Oakland is probably going to win that second wild card. You know, now now Oakland obviously has the inside track with the win yesterday. But if if they do win the division, that means they might get Kansas City again in round one. Yeah, I, I, if you, I think if you play this game ten times, the the Chiefs probably win. You know, nine of them. That's probably true. But they get them at home if they were to yeah. play. I mean, I know it's that weird, ugly coldness may favor Kansas City or excuse me, may favor Tennessee, weirdly. So playing on the road there could have been a slight advantage. But I wouldn't mind seeing those two teams play again. Let me ask you a question. And this is probably important to just the general philosophy and identity of the Titans. Do you think that the Titans need more from Mariota or do you like this sort of um, ground and pound rely on defense type thing? Because at this point, Mariota, his pass rating yesterday was 67. The week before that was 45. The last time he had a touchdown pass was um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago against the Bears. So it's been even longer since he's thrown a touchdown against an NFL team. Um, and so it's it, it, at this point, they're, they're going to rely on everybody but Mariota. Do you think Mariota needs to take a leap for them to make a playoff game, or win a playoff game, excuse me? I don't know if necessarily he needs to make a leap. I feel like the way they've constructed this team, they don't have many pass catchers. I mean, it's Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews. Yep. I mean, that's not the track to a really good passing offense. They built this team to You're run the ball. You're using the backs a little bit now, too, which uh, I so, kind of liked. I mean, I, I feel like it's not necessarily that he has to be better. It's that this offense isn't built for him to be that much better. So I'm not sure what they're going to do against a real defense, which Kansas City and Denver undoubtedly are against the pass. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I kind of like, you know, uh, DeMarco Murray had five receptions for 52 yards. Um, thought that was pretty good yesterday. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. This offense, and I talked to Mike Malarkey about it in the preseason, was built for for this. They were built for December football and for Marcus Mariota winning a game with no touchdowns and one interception and only taking one sack. They was, this was going to be a max protect type team, and it's working. Um, you know, my question is, did you see it coming when they went for two? No. Because that was the first time in 20 years a team has gone for two that early in a game when trying to win the game. I mean, did you disagree? I kind of no, loved it. I kind of loved it, and they won the game. But it was just, I, I thought, I, no one does that. And I was so excited about the fact they were going for it. Yeah. I, in those conditions on the road against a team that's better than you, I feel like that's probably the move. Yeah. No, and the agree-disagree thing is a red hand. Because, you know, it's one of those things, and we still have this old-world mentality in football where if he makes it, he's a genius, and if he doesn't make it, he's an idiot, okay? And if they hadn't made the – if Ryan Suckup hadn't made a, a, a long field goal to win the game, people are saying, Mike Malarkey, that's a, that's a bonehead of the week type thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I like the boldness, but I do understand that there's still going to be a lot of criticism because there's still a lot of sort of old world media out there. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that's always going to happen. You know, Jim Caldwell punted yesterday with five minutes left while he was down by two, t- down by two scores. He was on his own 12-yard line, but you're not getting the ball back twice with five minutes left. That's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't – I never am for the conservative choice in those moments, no matter how badly it seems in the moment. Yeah, I mean, the the play call was not good. The play execution, sure. everything was not good. Yes. So, but. I mean, yeah, that, that we could probably criticize. But all right, let's get into some of the other just playoff implication games from this weekend. As hard as it is to understand, 
it looks like Miami is going to do this. Yeah. I, I mean, they really have to fall off. So even if they lose to New England in week 16, it still seems like they're probably going to get in at 10 and 6. Plus, they haven't had their weird Patriots win yet. Yes. And they're due. If Oakland somehow loses to ten, loses to Indy Lat next week, which doesn't seem like it'll happen, but who the hell knows? Then you're looking at a Patriots team that probably doesn't need to win in Week 17. Yep. So if you're on the Dolphins, I'm rooting pretty hard for the Colts next week. Yeah, no, and and at this point, I don't think Denver's going to rebound. They're, they're the pads they have to get there are slim. There are a lot of being cut. There's a lot of them being cut off at the pass in different scenarios here. Yeah. No, I mean, they have the Chiefs and the Raiders in the last two weeks of the season. Those are two teams who are A, better than them, and B, need to win. And so they that's. They need to the, win out, yes. Yeah. But both of those teams, excuse me. You know, but both of those teams, the Chiefs and the Raiders, are both better than them, and they both are going to be desperate for a win because they're doing playoff positioning right now. And so the Broncos, I mean, I, then maybe they split those two games, maybe. And then they're nine and seven. And that they're not getting in at 9-7. Yeah. I mean, it's possible still, but there's still there's hey, not a lot of scenarios where that can happen. Here's the question about the Broncos. Mm-hmm. If they go 9-7, and seven, Trevor Simeon is decent, how would you gauge this season? Because I think in August, if you were to slip a Broncos fan a piece of paper that says 9-7, and seven, Trevor Simeon looks good and the defense is good as ever, maybe they're going to be good in 2017, they may have taken it. But having seen the way the season unfolded, I think it's a massive disappointment. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, their offense has been very bad. And I thought that this might happen. You know, they needed their defense to be just as good as it was last year, and there was almost no way where that was going to be possible. Yeah. And, yeah. Paxton Lynch had to start two games, and, you know, he's not very good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Their quarterback play was just not very good, period, and their offense just wasn't very good, period. It's yeah. not as if Trevor Simeon was some dumpster fire of a quarterback. That's they fine. didn't have an offensive line. They didn't 80, have a, a running game. 88 running for the season. Yeah, he was, he was fine. He was fine. Yes. They need a running game. They did not have the ancillary parts of an offense to carry a mediocre quarterback. That's what ended up happening. Yeah, no, exactly. They need they need to go out and find a running back in the first round next year. Is that weird? Mm, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true. A, a, ga- uh, a, like game, a game-changing and- running back would do them wonders. Yeah, I guess so. I think finding a right tackle that can actually play would be a step in the right direction as well. Hey, did you see that that report this morning about Russell Okung and, and Akib Talib? No. Okay, so the Broncos had it out in the locker room last night, as they should have. Oh, good. Have. Yeah, shocking. But the, the, the crux of it was that Russell Okung... So Gary Kubiak says, does anybody want to speak? You know, sort of a leader, leadership, you know, seating the floor. And Okung starts talking. And Akib Talib was so offended that a member of the offensive line started talking when the offensive oh, line was so bad that he just rejected it. He just said, nope, you're not talking. That's so tough. A, uh, That's and, tough. And then, uh, and then they, they had it out, and Gary Kubiak had it defuse. I think that was a Michael Silver report from the NFL Network. Um, that sounds healthy. Yeah, that's really good. I, I'm clearly thinking they can win out and steal one of those spots for sure. Poor Russell Okung. Can't As of talk. right now, it seems like the AFC is not set, but I feel like we have a pretty good handle on who's going to make it and who's not. You know, right now, I would say New England, Oakland, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Miami, and whoever the AFC South winner ends up being. Though That's the most likely scenario. Matt Moore in the playoffs. In the NFC, things aren't nearly that cut and dry. 
you know, we have Dallas really getting a stranglehold back on the conference yesterday. Seattle winning gives them a very good shot of going home with the number two seed. But then things get a little murkier. What happens after that uh, is anybody's guess. But it looks like right now, Green Bay and Atlanta are both in pretty good position to win their divisions and come home with the three and the six seed. I agree. I, I, Excuse I, I me, the three and the four seed. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah. I can't tell if Detroit is about to flop or not. Because that again, it gets into are the Giants that good or is Detroit just, you know, getting ready? They could have easily lost last week. They did lose this week. Are they ready for a swoon at this point? It almost doesn't matter if Detroit's ready to flop or not, because if Detroit loses to Dallas at Dallas, which is very possible, with Minnesota's loss yesterday, the Packers could theoretically lose to the Vikings next week and then still beat the the Lions and get into the playoffs in week 17. Right. Well, it all comes down to week 17. Yes. So, but now it's like the, the Lions have given themselves absolutely no wiggle room. Yeah. They have to beat the Packers to go to the playoffs. And right now, it, do you think they can beat Green Bay with everything on the line? I don't My know. Answer I mean, is Gre- no. Green Bay came very close to losing yesterday. Sure. that I mean, yeah, they did. But I still would pick the Packers in those games. I would, too. I mean, if, if I were to guess right now, I would say the Packers are going to make the playoffs. Absolutely. I think so, too. And I think that right now, Tampa is in a really tough spot. They essentially have to win out to get there. You know, they're eight and six. They've got two decently tough games from here on out to do it because Atlanta, you know, has pole position in that division right now. Yeah. If they tie, Tampa goes, which is really the only thing they have. So they need to win their last two, and Atlanta needs to lose one. So we'll see. Atlanta looks pretty damn good right now. I know it was San Francisco, but when you score essentially 35 points and a half and put up like Texas Tech levels of yardage, I don't care who's playing on the other side of the ball. Yeah, on the other hand, San Francisco should not be in the NFL anymore. That's fine, but when you're on pace for 700 yards of offense, it, it's ridiculous. that The Falcons are doing, and they did it without Julio Jones. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. The Falcons are rolling. The Falcons are rolling. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're really, really good. Um, however, one thing I do want to say, I think the Packers, I think we're going... I, I think the Packers are going to win the division. I think they're going to win out. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get to have a great proclamation of we're going to run the table from a couple weeks ago when I think they were four and six. But I do think we're starting to actually overrate the Packers. I think so, too. I think we've swung so far the other way where it went from the Packers are bad when they're four and six. They lost to the Titans by, what, 22 points. And then last week it swung so far to the Packers are the best team in the NFC. There are actually people saying that, making that point. And now we just need to realize they're a pretty good NFC team, along with the Bucks, along with maybe even the Giants or the Redskins. Um, so I, 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 two things are simultaneously true. The Packers are going to make the playoffs, but they're not the threat that maybe everyone thinks they are. I'm going the other way. It's what you just said at the beginning about how no one should be scared of going into Dallas. I don't think the Packers are clearly the best team in the NFC, but why couldn't the Packers beat anyone? Yeah, no, that's true, but they could also lose to the Bucks. Yes. They could they also lose could. to the Giants. They could also, I mean, they, they, I mean, I don't think, I think if they went into Seattle again, when Seattle's remembered how to play football post Earl Thomas, I, I, I would guess that Seattle wins that game. I, I think that's that was, the biggest thing for yeah. me is that Seattle is likely going to get that game at home. If when Green Bay goes there, if Green Bay goes there for the divisional game, it's, le- it's going to be in Seattle. And that is a huge advantage for the Seahawks. Yeah. No, that's true. But wouldn't they, they would host, they, they may host the Bucks. Is that correct? And if they win the division in the first round? Green Bay. Yes. 
Yeah, in the wild card round, yeah, I'm saying. But if they, they'd have to, no, if they I know. won a game, well, I'm they saying, go are you Seattle. even sure they're going to beat the Bucks in the first round? I'm not sure they're going to beat the Bucks in the first round. But if Green Bay got Tampa Bay at home in Lambeau, I, I would pick Green Bay. And that's kind of why Atlanta, even if they can get a, the sixth seed with a 10-6 and six record, if Tampa Bay also wins out, the Falcons would really love to win the division because instead of going to Lambeau in week one, then you have somebody coming to you. Could be the Giants, though. It could be the Giants. That's a heck of a game. That That is an offense-defense matchup that I would love to watch. But it probably seems like the Giants are going to get the five seed. Which, at that point, would put would send them to Green Bay. Yes. yes. That's what I mean. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, we're on the same page here. One thing I want to say real quick is that when we, we called out for, for um, questions this week. And a lot of people have been saying to me, are you ready for your apology pod? And what people mean by that is that I said that Aaron Rodgers was the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. I ranked him famously behind Andy Dalton. And um, I said, if he wins the MVP or the Packers win the Super Bowl, I will do a pod. Uh, apologize. And people keep asking me when I'm going to do it. And or if I'm getting ready for it, as if I don't want to do it, there's nothing I want to do more than have the apology pod. It would be the oh. greatest pod of all time. I would have my trolls on. I would have legitimately interview my own trolls, and they could just yell at me for ten minutes. And it would be the greatest podcast in NFL history. You and you, you, you're the number one troll on that topic, Robert Mays. Oh, I will definitely call in. I won't be a co-host on the show. I will be among no, the No, it'll be callers. me, and we'll cycle through the people who have trolled me most. And don't Absolutely. try to people. Don't try to get in late on the troll thing. These are people who've been trolling me reliably for the past six months i'm um, even in the back when when the aaron Rodgers was four and six and he, you know everybody was writing aaron Rodgers is done articles and i was taking the high road at that point but those people were still trolling me those are the trolls who get on the apology pod if he wins the super bowl or gets an mvp award True, true trolls. That's what he has to do. You said he was the sixth best quarterback in the league, but he has to win the Super Bowl for you to have an apology. No, that was podcast? that was the that was the. Um, I mean, I will say I was wrong if he's if if at the end of the year it seems it's wrong. But I, I the, the parameters of so the apology podcast. So you're not willing podcast, to admit now that it's wrong. I'm certainly willing to admit that I was wrong that Andy Dalton was going to have a better 2016 than Aaron Rodgers. That was a bad guess. So are there five quarterbacks right now for the rest of this season that you would take over Aaron Rodgers? Um, we have to look at it in, in, in the whole. I mean, is he a top five quarterback? Yeah, probably at this point. But he also, you know, over the entire 2016 season, that's a tough call because he did not have a great start to the season. I mean, you would put we if you did it, you know, if you go back to that podcast, you know, conventional wisdom has changed so much. We had Cam Newton. We both had Cam Newton in the top five. Sure. We both had Carson Palmer in the top five, not, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I would not have him there anymore. Yeah, so I would not. I, mean, I don't have him in the league. Is Carson Palmer in the league anymore? And so I, you would have to change everything. I mean, Matt Ryan, I don't think, was top ten for either of us, was he? No. No. And so I, I think Matt Ryan's top five this year. And so Rodgers is certainly top five. I was not only was I wrong on that, I think everyone was wrong on a lot of quarterback stuff. I'm willing, certainly willing to, to admit I was wrong about um, Dalton and Rodgers, I and mean, that's the only an idiot would would stick to his guns on that. Um, but so, yeah, if you were to re rank, and maybe that's a good thing for us to do before the before the playoffs, is just re rank the top five. I would say that Aaron Rodgers is sixty five percent completions, thirty two touchdowns, seven interceptions, puts him among the top five quarterbacks, no matter how bad the start of his season. No, was. I, I I I I would probably agree with you. 
I just have to look at it. I know Matt Ryan would be up there. I mean, it's at one point we were talking about whether or not Carson Wentz was a top 10 quarterback in week three. Uh, or I certainly was not. So that, I was not a part of that conversation. We, there, there, were, there was a Sam Bradford for MVP week in the media that I, someone, I was, I was searching for something the other day and someone was tweeting out all the people who mentioned that Sam Bradford should win MVP. Uh, that, we've had I, I, we've allowed a lot of peaks and valleys here in, that, in the 2016 NFL season. I, my Aaron Rodgers Valley was never that low, and my Carson Wentz peak was never that high. So I, I feel okay about those two. I'm I, I have Carson Wentz and Andy Dalton in a similar stratosphere right now, and it's not very high. Uh, all right, buddy, no, but uh, the, the last thing I do want to say on that is that I wrote a thing about Andy Dalton a couple of weeks ago, and all of the comments were people uh, thinking that I ranked Andy Dalton number one. That is how there's a lot of people it's who think that how that's, get warped. That, yeah, they're like, hey, didn't you have him as the best quarterback in the NFL? And um, I would like that. I would have loved to have been that bold. All right, but before we uh, get to our spotlight, guys, let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. No team goes into the season without a game plan. If they did, game day highlights would be nothing more than a football follies compilation. And while follies are hilarious, Buffalo Wild Wings knows fans prefer the taste of glory on game day. The kind of glory that comes from having 21 signature sauces and seasonings to choose from. Or a great lineup of cold and refreshing beers on tap. Or a collection of wall-to-wall flat screens so big it'll make your head spin. We cover all of those details so they add up to the kind of game day experience fans can appreciate. And we do it because we appreciate fans. So, win or lose, if you're a fan, you still win at having the best game day atmosphere there is. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. We do it for you because you're a football fan. We're also sponsored by Capital One. Capital One knows you've got questions about your credit. You may be asking, who's really in charge of my credit score? Or how does my credit score actually work? That's why Capital One created the CreditWise app. So you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. And it's free to everyone, Capital One customer or not. In fact, millions of CreditWise users have improved their score by 20 points or more. So download the app for free today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank, USA, NA. All right, bud, who's your first uh, spotlight guy of the week? Well, it's Bruce Irvin. Yeah. Because Khalil Mack is a monster. Khalil Mack is in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Bruce Irvin is not. But to have a force emerging on the other side of Mack is so valuable. And that's what's happening right now. Two sacks yesterday against San Diego including some just really crucial pressures in the fourth quarter. Mac, by the way, I was in Oakland last week, and, and just I, I love that team and I love that vibe. But Mac's pressures in the fourth quarter, kind of a, a classic, not going on the stat sheet, but really, I mean, he almost had a strip sack uh, on Rivers on the final drive. He almost had an interception, actually, which is uh, more what, what, what he's going for these days. Um, and, and he's just... That defensive line is so good. And now to have Irvin two sacks yesterday, in his last five games, he has five sacks. I mean, he's just... He's, he, he, to have that guy emerge at this point in the season is is such a, a game-changer for the AFC West. Yeah, I mean, secondary pass rushers are just so important. Yep. Because that's what you see. When you have a team with one guy, it's so easy to scheme against him. Yep. You can slide protection. You can chip him. I mean, even last night when David Irving was somehow taking over a game, yeah. I was like, why the hell aren't they chipping that guy? It's not as if the Cowboys have some terrifying second pressure guy. No. Demarcus Lawrence is standing in weird glasses on the bench. Yep. Yep. It made zero sense. So that's why having a guy like Bruce Irvin is so damn important. Yeah, no, and, and it's not like 
it's not like they weren't adjusting to it. It's not like he had free reign and a free path to the quarterback. I mean, he, he has some good moves. And I think that, you know, I, I do think there were some questions when he went to Oakland. Maybe they're overpaying him. Maybe he's not the guy. But, you know, look, he brought a lot of the Seattle mentality. W- what's interesting to me is that Ken Norton is obviously the defensive coordinator in Oakland. He came from Seattle. Yep. But when I spoke to the players last week about, there's a couple stories that are coming up on the ringer.com about the Oakland Raiders. But one of the things that probably won't get in the stories was just that Irvin took a lot of the Seattle attitude and gave it to players. You can have a coach who preaches this and preaches that and has this system and, and says this about passion, passing. But when you have Bruce Irvin coming in and working with the guys every single day, you know, knows how to connect with the guys. You know, he's only 29 years old, but he, he is a, a savvy veteran in a lot of ways. He was teaching them ways to rush the pass. He was teaching them new moves. And so he has been an underrated great for agent signing. It's really weird that we're in a world where Bruce Irvin is some elder statesman for a team. I, I, but he I is. swear to God, I, saw, I, I was talking to Dan Williams about, about some of the stuff. And he was like, no, like you have to Bruce Irvin has like had a huge impact on the defense. Like it's he, not even that. I'm not saying Bruce Irvin can't. I'm just talking about age wise. It's oh, weird yeah. that Bruce Irvin's an old guy. Well he was Sorry. twenty wasn't he twenty five when he was a rookie? Something I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know, but he when you look at, I mean, Dan Williams is an older dude too, so I think about Dan Williams, but uh, that's just really interesting to me. Are you worried about their offense at all? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they, they're going. Did you see the shotgun uh, kneel down? So that was the thing I was going to mention, and I was going to write about this today, but I just didn't. There was too much other stuff going. I didn't have time to do it. When they didn't get that short touchdown, had to kick the field goal late, and they had to do a one yard plunge from the pistol. That's the type of stuff that can just totally ruin you when games get close and when it starts to really matter. That's what I'm starting to worry about. Yeah, and they were worried a little bit about the pistol formation, too. That's a work in progress. I mean, yes, I'm worried about their ability to have their offense change so dramatically because of, of Derek Carr's finger. And by the way, I'm not even sure that his finger is all the way back. I mean, if he was well, fully not, healthy, if not sh- no, I just mean on throw. Excuse me, just on throws. I oh, mean, gotcha. I mean, okay. just on throws. Yeah. Obviously, if he's if he's taking a kneel down and shotgun, his finger is not healthy. I'm just talking about his throws because you don't see that same accuracy. They should they should have torched the Chargers yesterday. Absolutely torched them. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. It's starting to creep in where they just don't look the same. And what I really loved about them is their ability to be so versatile and just be so malleable like running the ball and just pounding teams the way they couldn't last year. And if you can't be under center, I think that gets a little bit tougher. By the so, way, Dan Williams, old guy, a uh, couple months younger than me. God, that's terrifying. And we're like the same age, so yeah. that, that makes me very no, sad. Very good. You called him an old guy. Uh, my first guy is part of an all-offensive line segment for me. Oh, my God. And, and it is uh, left tackle David Bakhtiari. Of the all right, Bay I'm going to leave the room. You can do this offensive that's line. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm totally set. Okay. So this is a guy who was a fourth-round pick kind of was thrown to the fire as a rookie, started from day one at left tackle for Aaron Rodgers, and has been good. You know, you know, he's never been a concern. Ups and downs over the last couple of years. I feel like his mass was a problem early on. He could get overpowered by bull rushers. He's having the best season of his career, and with Josh sitting gone, has really elevated his play and become the best pass protector on maybe the best pass blocking line in the league. And it, it, it just... It's so impressive. He was so casual yesterday, and he just looked so calm playing. He's just become one of those left tackles you know, in the Tyron Smith, Joe Thomas kind of vein where I really enjoy watching them play because it looks the right way. I agree. You know, Bakhtiari, first of all, he's one of the best 
glue guys in the NFL. Yep. Um, really good dude. Loves recommending movies to teammates, obviously. Um, I believe he started the Settlers of Catan thing in a locker room, which is as, as, perfect va- too. as valuable a service. Um, I don't play Catan, but I, I know that it has helped the Packers win all these games these last few years. Um, yeah, I mean, just... I mean, is the where would you rank this Packers offensive line, Robert, in the last couple of years of Packers offensive lines? Because I would lot say of people, it's not quite as good yeah. as like the 2014 group. Yeah, and when I went up there and wrote about them, yeah. and that the group had Sitton. Even though, here's the thing: personnel wise, guy for guy, it's not as good without Sitton. But I think Bakhtiari and Bulaga are playing better, so it's probably pretty close yeah. as a run blocking. Sorry. As a run blocking group, I don't think they're where they were in that season. Did you just knock down your microphone? Cause you yes, were so, I did. so excited. about yes, I absolutely did. That's a hundred percent what happened. Okay. <laughs> just making sure whatever the, the listener heard that. All right. I'm just going to roll right into my next group. Cause it's okay. very, it's related. Okay. Uh, the Falcons offensive line was just monstrous yesterday. And okay. I know they're playing San Francisco, but that unit and that scheme, I just love watching them run block. Because the way that Shanahan builds in space is so smart. They did a lot of plays yesterday where their entire group would block down and then Hooper would come across. And just the lanes it creates for Devontae Freeman, it allows him to destroy people. And I I love watching them right now. Alex Mack has made a bigger difference for a unit than maybe any other single free agent signing in the entire league. That's a good argument. I, yeah, I, I don't know anybody else who's changed a unit so dramatically. If you look at what they have outside of the addition of Taylor Gabriel, the return of Tevin Coleman, it's more or less the same group they had offensively as last year. I will say this. The Brock Osweiler sank the Texans quarterback. Room. That, that's a good one. It goes the other way. Yeah, he really, he really screwed that up. All right. Who's your second one? Well, funny we bring up Brock Osweiler because my second one is Mr. Tom Savage. Tom Savage. Yes. 260 yards in relief of Brock. 85 quarterback rating. Completed 63% of his passes. Now, what I want to talk about is why do you think Brock kept his helmet on the entire time? Was it now? There's two ways to go about this. Number one is he he was upset and he didn't want anyone to see that he was angry. The other one is, and I've seen this a lot, is you keep your helmet on to indicate to the coach that you're ready to go back in. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I, I would say it's a little bit of both would be my guess. I, I the keeping the quarterback, uh, keeping the helmet on for a backup quarterback is a very aggressive move. Do you have anything else you want to say about Savage? I mean, I just feel like he looks competent and he knows who to throw the ball to. Yeah, DeAndre know, Hopkins had 17 targets. He's one of these guys. There was so much. He was a weird pre-draft hype guy. Do you remember yeah, this? Like a, a month before. Yeah, a month before. It's like, well, you know, it's a 2014 draft. A lot of people talking about Johnny Manziel, or you know, it, it was a weird quarterback draft, by the way. Um, but I like uh, the scout community had a late run on Tom Savage. I like this Savage guy. Went to three colleges, which is. Interesting. I went to three colleges, but you know that was that was because no one would start me a quarterback, and um, <laughs> just like Savage, we have a lot in common. Uh. And so, um, yeah, I, I just I think that he's competent, and I think he can get the ball to the playmakers, and I think Lamar Miller can can do stuff. By the way, Lamar Miller had to calm the crowd down when they were freaking out so much about Brock getting benched. They were excited, and Lamar had to say, please stop clapping. Oh, God, that's awful. It was an amazing few moments. Point. It was an amazing few moments. I mean, Brock can, cry, can dry his tears with his $18 million cash, but I still feel kind of bad for the guy yeah, right now. Yeah, the dude now. got clowned, though. 
Yeah, you can't, that's really bad. You, ta- you can't take an L in exchange for $18 million. That's not no. a fair trade. That, you can't put a price tag on an L like that, Maze. That's probably fair. All right, buddy. Now it's time for our fan question of the week, brought to you by Miller Lite. The light beer with more taste, less calories, and half the carbs, so that on any given Sunday, you don't have to settle for any given light beer. This question is just what I love. From Alan Corridor on Twitter, Dodgeball was added to the Pro Bowl. Which players would you want on your team? Very mm. straightforward, but a lot to unpack here. Mm. Okay, so first of all, one bit of news here is that Antonio Brown told NBC last week that one player he'd want to hit is Vontez Perfect, which I think is also an interesting question: who you'd want to hit. So you'd want, you know, you'd want a guy. First of all, just give me your parameters for the perfect dodgeball player before we get into this. So this is what I wanted to talk about. What, who are you looking for? Yeah. Because I feel like the guy that was good in dodgeball in high school was that competitive prick that took it way too seriously. Yeah. Which means that like Watt and Steve Smith would probably be my number one and two selections. Yeah, and also let's not overrate the arm strength here because yep. everybody played quarterback in high school. Like everybody. Exactly. All everybody. these guys can All throw. All these guys can throw. So maybe, you know, a, a mixture of explosion and speed. You know, you don't want to get hit. Maybe a Darren Sproles, you know, because he'd be fast enough, but he also would be small enough. You don't want, like, Khalil Mack. He's massive. He, he, you know, you could, you could hit his ankle Sproles or something. Sproles is a good one. I still think the guy you mentioned at the top of this, based on the question he was asked, Antonio Brown has yeah. to be an amazing dodgeball player. Yeah. I'm looking at, like, really good route runners. Like, I feel like Beckham would be an incredible dodgeball player. Like, he would just catch everything thrown at him. That's something else you have to take into account. Oh, God. Some of these receivers Beckham. could just pick shit. Beckham, uh, Beckham might be number one. Because he, he can also throw. probably is the number one pick, He right? can throw, like, 90 yards or something. Yeah. Like, some I think shit. he's got to be the number one pick. Yeah. He can't throw 90 yards. He can throw, like, 40 yards. Small receivers, I feel like, got to be pretty good. I think Rodgers would be pretty high up there for me. I mean, watch him dance around and chuck the ball. I mean, he, he has to be in the conversation. Yeah, no, look. Anybody, I don't know. I mean, would you want Von Miller on your team? Bending? Mr. Rubber Band Man? Yeah, the Rubber Band Man has to be in this conversation. He's got some flexibility down there. I feel like Larry Fitzgerald would be a really good dodgeball player. Again, just like it doesn't matter where you throw it. He's going to pick it off off the ground with one hand. Awareness. Yep. Brock Osauer would be the worst. (laughs) He honestly would be. Six foot eight. Six six foot eight eight is what really doesn't mean. Can't move. And also, he just like... he looks like the type of person that all of the other players would want to throw out immediately. <laughs> Who's number one on that list? Who is the guy that everyone would want to peg in the face from the moment the game starts? Well, on the Broncos, uh, Akib Talib is just going to nail Russell Okung immediately. Just over and over just again? immediately, and yes. As he's walking off, he has hit him five more times. Yes, yes exactly. Um, oh, yeah, God. I, I, I don't know who who is number one. And maybe the listeners can also chime in on this. Who, yeah, we who, would like to hear from you guys. Beckham is my pro, is probably my number one. Oh, that I'm sorry, I was asking a different question. I was asking oh. who who would be the first hit if it were a league. Oh wide. yeah, if I, I want to know that as well. If it were a league wide game, who would the most players say I'm going to hit this guy? By the way, I know what the answer to this question is. Uh, tell me. It's Jay Cutler. Oh yeah. Would Cutler not be off to the sideline of the dodgeball game, just looking sort of down in a jacket? Yeah, he would just get out on purpose right away and go yeah. smoke a cigarette as he yeah. was standing on the side of the court. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think he would want to. I, I don't know if they would want to give him the satisfaction of getting out immediately. One guy who would be an excellent dodgeball player is the Bears' starting quarterback of the future, Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley is going to have. 
I would you what would you do? Would you do the bridge deal for 60 million over three years at this point? You made this joke on Twitter yesterday. He's going to run it back. Yeah. So uh, we've had it. We've had another game where he's looked decent for 30 seconds. Let's do my Matt Barkley. Do you have a Barkley jersey yet? No, I have a a Barkley journal. I mean, it's just scrawled with blood at this point. <laughs> I over the course of that game, I just had so many emotions. There was a point where I kind of resigned myself to the fact that it was going to happen, and then what he was going to more picks. He's going to start game yeah. one of twenty seventeen. Yeah, can we get Osweiler in that quarterback competition? I hate you so much. I, why are you doing this to me? Can you not see it? How can you not see the press conference where Rick Smith's like, we made a huge mistake. It's $25 million cap hit, but it's not good for our room. Uh, we're going we're gonna to let him go. And then he signs with Chicago for $8 million. I would hitchhike out of town. I'm not even joking. Not I would a leave. quarterback competition. I, w- I would leave. If, if there is one thing that could instantly bring me back to Los Angeles, it would be that. Who's the third man in on that competition besides Barkley and Osweiler? Is it, is it Scott Tolzien? Is he available? I, I feel like that would really put the trifecta together for See, me. He's a local guy. Local guy. Yeah. You know, you know what the actual answer is? It's probably Jimmy G, who's also a oh local my guy. Oh, God. No, well, Jimmy G, if, that, if it was... Are they going to trade for Jimmy G? Maybe, who knows? But then that would change everything because then they couldn't bring in Brock or, re, or even re, they wouldn't even re-sign Barkley at that rate. Barkley's a, a restricted free agent, which means someone's going to make a. They're not. Look, he, someone someone sent me a message yesterday asking if he was going to make like ten million dollars. No, he's not Brock Osweiler. He's not. He did not look good enough. He hasn't even beat a good team. Like he almost beat the Packers and then threw two bad interceptions. He's going to make like. Four he threw million two bad inter- interceptions year. in a ice. He threw two bad interceptions on Hoth, and they were just high throws. It's not as if they were terrible decisions or whatever. Oh, oh so it's I feel se- like okay. he looked good throwing okay, the ball so yesterday. Okay, so settled. You want him to be the starter next year? Great. I okay. was impressed by him All again right, yesterday. For, okay. Wow. I, this is a big turn for you. I mean, I'm not an idiot. The guy played decent. I just feel like we have a very limited track record of 26-year-old quarterbacks with five starts that end up being productive NFL starters. Yeah, what about Brock Osweiler? Exactly. Yeah. If, if we need a cautionary tale, there it is. Um, all right, bud. Yeah, is that all we got this week? I, that's all we got. I could talk about Brock Osweiler for another hour. I know you could talk about Matt Barkley for another hour, and I'm sure we will next week. Uh, Danny and I will be back with our normal Friday show this week. As always, really appreciate you guys listening and hope we can enjoy all the craziness together these next few weeks. I'll see ya. Thanks again to Capital One's CreditWise app for sponsoring us today. Capital One created the CreditWise app so you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank, USA, NA.